We remain standing for the reading of the gospel from the third chapter of John, first seven verses. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do except God be with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can one be born when they're old? Can they enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, they cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born anew. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. It so fills my heart to look and see Frank. It fills my heart to look and see Dottie, to touch base with those who have made this such a wonderful place. I'm glad you're here. As he walked down the street, they would nod their respect. People recognized the trappings of success. He was a winner in the race of competitive righteousness. One of 6,000 Pharisees pledged to keep the smallest detail of the laws of Moses, and there were a lot of small details. All in an effort to win the favor of God for himself, family, hopefully his nation. And those who saw him assumed that he had that favor and likely assumed that they themselves did not have that favor. But they were doing that human thing of comparing their insides to his outside. Inside, Nicodemus, a different story. Emptiness cannot hide forever. His middle-aged angst sought solutions. His questions needed answers. I think of the religious poet musing on the giant redwoods of Northern California. Trees are so magnificent, almost impossible to describe. He wrote these words. Standing before that tree on that coastal range, I felt the immensity of time. Twelve million years from now, who will know or care what I do with my next 20 years? What does my life mean now? in the context of such a future? By what values, memories, hopes shall I weigh my options and make my choices and invest my energies and live my life? For whom and for what? Where does the ongoing purpose of God connect with my own meaning? Nicodemus had questions. Questions demand the answers questions that refused him any sleep, and he visits Jesus after dark. John's gospel is written a good bit later, and John is addressing people who are like Nicodemus, 
who kind of want to believe in Jesus but do it after dark, a safe, hidden way, but not actually do the deeds of Jesus in broad daylight. That love your enemy stuff, that's just not practical. That love other people, other ethnic groups, that would just soil your reputation. That whole justice thing, that's just downright dangerous. So Nicodemus visits in the dark, lest he be seen, lest his midlife questions find answers that he fears. And he has a lot to fear, a lot to lose, and change is hard. He starts with flattery. We know that you're come from God, but there's no we. It's just Nicodemus struggling like so many of us to say the word I. I need help. I need answers. I need something, someone to fill my emptiness. And Jesus just cuts through all the formal flattery. He knows who Nicodemus is. And says to him, you need to be born again. It's hard for me to hear that without all the baggage of my evangelical heritage. Nicodemus doesn't get it. But before I dismiss him as some legalistic religious doofus, maybe I need to stand with Nicodemus and ask if I get it. How do I not get this being born again? How can I envision being pushed out of the womb and placed in the arms of a woman weeping and laughing and holding me and loving me. Perhaps singing in Jewish mother fashion that I am God's gift to her. Remember, Nicodemus, remember, it's messy and it's risky and there's nothing dignified about it, but it's incredibly sacred, Nicodemus. Or Jim. And my first experience of love is this woman who gathers me with ferocious gentleness. The first marking of my soul is the love of this woman. And Nicodemus doesn't understand. Do I? Sometimes we don't understand because we're afraid of what this understanding will bring. Because for Nicodemus, the very foundation of his life is this this rule-keeping righteousness, rigid, defined. Something he works hard at to get it just right, to try to make God approve of him. Ah, but Nicodemus, you're here because of your emptiness. And your emptiness cannot hide forever. And so he says, start over. Be born again. Go back to when you were helpless and vulnerable and loved and welcomed and perfect in your mother's eyes. Back when the only demand that you could possibly make was a cry of helplessness. And for your cry, you got filled with your mother's milk and rocked in loving arms. Oh, it's an earthy metaphor with heavenly truth, though, 
that this is the very foundation of being a follower of Jesus. Realize that you are loved because you are, because that is the nature of God. We call it grace. We have so many wonderful young couples here and so many delightful children here. And a couple of weeks ago, coming across the parking lot before the 8.30 service, one of those couples was there, and I said something to him about how cute or how precious their children were. And without missing a beat, the father said, yes, we made them ourselves. <laughs> I love that. And when it comes to answering our questions in the dark about our meaning, about our purpose in living and what to do now and how to live our lives, we start with this being born again, this, this sense of the spirits whispering with delight, we made you. And there's challenge here. Like me, you've probably been taught what it means to be good. Maybe they didn't use the term righteous, but that's what we meant. Somebody else defined for you what goodness looks like. It looks like this. But when I was growing up, that it looked okay if you were still racist. And if you're good enough, you get to judge others. Oh, but you see, when we're reborn, when we see ourselves in the arms of this Jewish mother God who embraces us and loves us unconditionally, it's a whole new perspective. And Jesus fleshes this out. He says, I didn't come to condemn you or the world, but to save, to fill this emptiness And if you do not believe that you are loved this way, you are already condemning yourself to an empty and loveless life. But when we get this, when we know it in our very bones, when we know we're loved and filled with it, then there's just challenge and opportunity to love everywhere. And those who follow Jesus in name but not in behavior are triple dog dared to try loving in broad daylight. And this love looks like justice and kindness and courage and inclusion and forgiveness and learning and seeking and understanding. I'm fascinated by the history of Nazi Germany. Maybe horrified is a better word. How one person could do so much, how so many could do so much, and how so many others could stand by and watch. But really what grabs me are the stories that come forth about people who stood up and spoke out. Frau Anna Hinke was one of those people. I may have mispronounced her name. She was a domestic servant in the Bonhoeffer family in Germany. And at the very depths of World War II, food was severely rationed. And Frau Hanke saved for months to get enough sugar and enough other ingredients to make this cake for the birthday of her elderly mother. Birthday came. She went to the railroad station at Dresden so she could catch a train to her mother's village outside the city. 
But there at the train station on the platform was a Pole, a Polish woman and her baby, both emaciated and near starvation. And when the Polish woman wasn't looking, she took that cake that she'd saved for months to have and she placed it in the baby carriage and then turned to get on the train empty-handed only to be stopped rudely by a Gestapo agent who had seen what she'd done and demanded to know how she, a German, could do such a thing to a Pole. And this servant woman said to that dreaded Gestapo, I did not give it to her as a German to a Pole, but as a Christian to one of Christ's own. When we know we're loved, there's this challenge to love everybody. I want to think that my nation is better than the Nazis. But we lost 1,500 children at the border and don't seem to know where they are and have no plans to find them. And what does love demand? When we know ourselves loved like a baby in the arms of a Jewish mother, what does that love demand of us? This passage begins with Nicodemus sneaking around in the dark, trying to get his emptiness filled, his questions answered. But it concludes with an invitation to do the truth and the announcement that the light comes. May the light come for all of us as we know ourselves nestled in the arms of a Jewish mother. Amen.